Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the book of Samuel. We are studying the first book of Samuel and we're going to begin chapter 3 today. We just read together the chapter um, chapter 2 which ended with the uh, ominous um, um, prophecy that was relayed to Ailey. Ailey was the high priest regarding the death of his sons and regarding the punishment that his family in the future was going to endure because of their corruption and oppression of the people and of their desecrating God's name in front of all of the entire nation of Israel and ruining the relationship between the people and God. Today we are going to um, read of the uh, call to prophecy, the inauguration of the prophecy of Shmuel, of Samuel, um, and uh, we're going to get a sense for the kind of humble and, and um, honest person Shmuel was, and, uh, and we're just going to learn of how within all of this uh, corruption and all of this oppression and all of this, um, the, uh, the leadership, the religious leadership that had gone completely um, off the proper path among this entire mess, Shmuel was planted as the seed of the one who was going to eventually lead the people out of this uh, ugly and terrible morass. So Vihanar Shmuel, all of this was happening when Shmuel was a young boy still. Vihanar Shmuel, the boy Shmuel, Mishoret et Adonai, he was serving God, Lifne Eli, before Eli, Eli the high priest. And the, the impression, the picture we've been getting of Eli was somewhat of a mix. On the one hand, he seemed to be um, a nice person, a good person, a person of, of who was willing to admit and recognize his error in judgment with Hana and give her a blessing. We, we see that he is tutoring and mentoring Shmuel and in, a, in a good and positive way. But on the other hand, he's blind to the faults of his children um, and, and, his, um, and when he does criticize them, is kind of half-hearted. So he seems to be um, a mixed figure, mostly good, but just not good enough, is the impression that we've been getting of Ailey. So he's, he's, he's serving God, Ailey is teaching him about God, about, uh, and so on, and, and raising him in the tabernacle. And the word of God, was very, yakar sometimes means valuable or precious, and thus also rare. In other words, something that's a yakar, like a diamond, is yakar, it's valuable, it's precious, because it's rare. So the word of God was rare, but also precious in those days. So in other words, it was, there weren't too many people that spoke to God. Now we did have, in the last two chapters, occasions where, where a person or or some a messenger would bring the word of God to Ailey. We just had that with the prediction of the... Um, destruction of the house of Ailey. Um, but um, so it existed but got but it was very it wasn't very common and we know that prophecy in general will only rest upon someone who is perfect in his ways someone who has worked on himself or herself to to morally ethically and intellectually and and done the work necessary to bring themselves to that level um, 
but uh, so there weren't that many people then doing this uh, in, in the tabernacle itself in the place where you'd expect the height of religious leadership the religious leaders were corrupt immoral um, promiscuous etc and this verse too and it was on that day and the, now bayomahu here doesn't mean uh, it means on this was a special day because of what we're about to read what happened upon this day so on that special special day the day that that Shmuel that Samuel was inaugurated as a prophet and began his path of prophecy and leadership this was what happened Eli the high priest was lying asleep in his place he had wherever it was that his place was that he slept and it gives us a picture of his of his age and his infirmity he was um his eyes had begun to become weak he could hardly see i trans literally means he could not see but given the entire phrase in context they had begun to become weak so it seems like they were starting to so he could hardly see it was prob- probably the best translation here venera him and the candle of God, presumably, most most commentaries assume this means the menorah, the, the candelabra that that was lit at, uh, and lit up in, at nighttime during the um, and the tabernacle. It had not yet gone out. Um, uh, obviously, it, some commentaries uh, deal with the issue that it's it sounds almost like Ailey was sleeping near the near uh, the, near the candelabra, which wouldn't make sense that he was sleeping in the uh, in the holy part of the tabernacle so it just it's it's delineating this that this was to give us an idea of the time of day it was the end of the night it was not yet light but it was uh, near morning <laughs> so the candles of god had not yet gone out shmuel shochev and shmuel was lying and samuel himself was sleeping in the holiest parts of god now again this uh, gives the impression that he was sleeping in the temple, but presumably in the same place, same tabernacle in which the um, the uh, Aron, the the holy ark of God, was was resting. Now, um, the uh, again, this seems to give the impression that he was sleeping in the holy of holies, or at least in, in the holy part, which um, again would not make sense on many many levels. So most uh, commentaries assume this means that he was sleeping in the complex of the tabernacle in an area where it was where where it was permitted to sleep, um, and within that tabernacle is where the Aron Elohim was the the Ark of God. Vayikra Adonai El Shmuel, and God called out to Samuel, Vayomer Hineni, and and and. Shmuel said, "Here I am." So another Shmuel hears his name being called, and Shmuel says, "Here I am." Um, but Shmuel uh, presumably heard this in his dream. He was asleep, and he heard uh, uh, someone call his name. He says, "Here I am." el Eli, and he ran to Eli. Uh, so he gets up and he runs to his mentor Eli Vayomer, and he says, "Hineni, here I am, Kikarosali, because you called me." And Eli says to him, No, I did not call you. Go back to sleep. And Shmuel went back to sleep. Um, that was verse 5. And now verse 6. And then God called him again. Shmuel. And Shmuel gets up and goes to Eli again. And he says, Here I am. What is it that you need? You've called me. 
says, no, I didn't call you. And here he calls him Bani, my son. In other words, in an endearing term, uh, we find Eli using this term several times as a term of endearment. Um, he sees Shmuel must be having a difficult night. Maybe he's having nightmares or something. He says, don't worry, my son, don't worry. Go, you can go back to sleep. It's okay. Um, I didn't call you. And Shmuel, this had been a point in his life where he did not know um he literally it means he did not know God. It doesn't mean he did not know God. What it means is he had not yet experienced the experience of prophecy. He couldn't even imagine that God would be speaking to him, that that with the visions that he would see would be visions of something this sublime and this um, uh, um, spiritually um uh, uh, uplifting. The term Yigleh Elav Varadonai, and this was before Yigleh Elav, that before the, any uh, words of God had been revealed to him directly. Vayosef Adonai Kroshmuel Bashlishit. And then for a third time, God called Shmuel again. Vayokam Vayelech Aleli. Again, he goes to Eli. Vayomer Hinani, here I am. Ki Karasali, you've called me. Vayoven Eli. And then finally, Eli understood. Ki Adonai Korela Noar. That is, this was not just. Uh, a nightmare. This was not just uh, a kid having having visions, but this was God calling to the young man. So Vayomer Eli and Eli said Lishmuel to Shmuel, Lech Shechav, go lie down, go back to lie down. Vaya, and this time, if you cry Lacha, if he calls you again, Vyamarta, and then you sh- the way you should respond is as follows: Daber Adonai, speak God. In other words, speak. I'm listening. Kishomea Avdecha, because your servant is listening. Vayelech Shmuel and Shmuel went Vayishkav bimkomo, and he went to lie down in his place. Vayavo Adonai, and then God came Vayisyatzav and stood there. Now, what does this mean that God came and stood there? Um, obviously, this is figurative, um, but there must have been some vision, some, uh, uh, some, uh, ap- uh, some. Uh, um, I don't know if apparition is the right word, but some, some something that appeared, some vision that appeared to Shmuel, that he saw, and this time he called out again, but he called as he repeated his name twice, Shmuel, 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 and Shmuel said, Daber, speak, because your servant is listening, just like he had been instructed by his teacher. Now, this has, has somewhat of a cuteness to it, because it's talking about Shmuel as a child, not knowing what's happening, and he keeps running to Eli. Um, but the, the, the underlying theme here is a theme of modesty, a theme of, of I, he couldn't even imagine that God would be speaking to him. He didn't think of himself as anything so great that he should be privileged to hear the word of God. This is an underlying theme that happens almost every time a prophet receives his call to prophecy. And I want to give a few famous examples. The most famous, of course, is the, the example of the, the greatest of all prophets, Moshe and Moses. We see in Exodus 3, when in the episode of the burning bush, when God comes to uh, Moshe, sees the, the burning bush, he runs to the, he, he walks over to see what's going on. And God speaks to him and tells him, I'm God and I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. And what was Moses' first answer? This is Exodus 3.11. Vayomer Moshe Elohim. 
Moshe said to God, Mi anochi, who am I ki elech al paro, that I should be the one to go to Pharaoh, v'chiyotzi es b'nei Yisraeli Mitzrayim. So his, his, his answer right away is, Mi anochi, who am I? I'm a nobody, right? I'm not, I'm not, not necessarily a nobody, but I'm not worthy of this. So it's, it's with humility. If the answer that the prophet, when he's called to prophecy for the first time, is, Mi anochi, who am I? I'm going to give three more examples of of some of the three uh, of the three uh, most famous of the later prophets, um, let's look at Yeshaya Isaiah when he received his fir- his first vision. This is in Isaiah chapter six, and he and he is shown this vision of the angels in the sky, the angels uh, 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 praising God, holy, 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 and um, this incredible vision. And then what was Isaiah's first response is oh this is isaiah 6 verse 5 omar and i said woe is to me because i am going to die i have i have unclean lips and i live among an a nation of unclean lips i i'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sinner myself isaiah says and i live amongst sinners and now I'm seeing the, the, the king, the Lord God himself I have seen. So his first reaction is, who am I? What am I doing here? I am, I am just a sinner like all other human beings that are sinners, and I'm sitting... I'm standing here in heaven. It's in, it would be interesting, and, and, and scholars have done this, to identify and, you know, the differences between the different prophets, but the, the, you know, the different types of responses and the different ways in which God appeared to them. But one underlying theme is clear, and that is the theme of humility, the theme of, I don't belong here, I'm not worthy of this, being their first reaction. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 1, um, we uh, we see chapter one verse six. Um, <coughs> um, uh, we see uh, God speaks to Jeremiah and and says and tells him I'm I'm making you a navi la goyim I'm making you a prophet to prophet to see to the nations to the people of the world. Omar and I said Jeremiah says this is verse six Jeremiah one chapter six Aho Adonai Elohim Oh. Woe, said Lord God, the Lord God. Hinelo yadati daber. I do not even know to speak. Hinaranochi. I am but a young man. So that's again Jeremiah's first reaction is, I'm just a little boy. I'm just a young man. I'm just a boy. I don't know how to speak. I, I, I can't do this. This is not for me. Jeremiah's first first reaction again was a reaction of humility. And Ezekiel um, is interesting because Ezekiel was at uh, the point where he was so dumbfounded and so blown away by his vision Ezekiel of course received the vision of the of the chariot of God he saw this incredibly holy vision of of the angels and and uh, and fiery angels and so on but is <laughs> he fell to the ground and couldn't speak and it was nothing he couldn't even respond to God and God had to wake him up and say and this is Ezekiel uh, chapter 2 verse 1 Vayomre like God spoke to me Ben Adam human being stand up on your feet right and I will speak to you and then in other words his, his reaction was with such such awe and trepidation that he couldn't even say 
something like Naranochi, something like I'm a sinner. He was so dumbfounded. Again, a reaction of pure humility, a reaction of I don't belong here, a reaction of I'm not going to jump and take for myself the crown. Only God bestowed the crown of prophecy upon them. <laughs> so again, we see here Shmuel, the same idea, the idea of humility being the, his reaction to prophecy. And only after God made it clear, after calling him three and then finally the fourth time, that Shmuel realized that he should listen to what God has to say. Now, what was God's message? <sighs> so the message is going to be a reiteration of the message that we heard before in chapter 2. And it's a message that God does not tolerate this kind of corruption, this kind of oppression, this kind of immorality from his leadership. And the house of Ailey is going to fall. Um, but, but it's a much less grandiose prophecy. There's no prophecy here yet of Shmuel and his particular mission in life, only that the... the, the um, corrupt world uh, of that the corrupt uh, uh, leadership of Eli's family is going to come to an end I'm going to do something among Israel God says to Samuel that anyone who hears it his ears will shake his ears will tremble but, but that's how horrible this is by Omahu on that day, in other words, again, who is the day in the future when this will happen. Akim el Eli, I'm going to fulfill against the house of Eli. So everything that I spoke about his family, uh, from the beginning all the way to the end of the destruction. And I am going to, uh, I'm going to tell him, or and I have told him, I am going to judge his house forever. No more will corrupt leadership like this exist. But Avon, why? Because of the sin. Because he knew, right, the fact that um, his sons were 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 uh, were cursing. His sons were causing. Mikalim, her sons were. But it literally says that their sons were cursing God. Now, did we ever read that the sons were openly cursing God, so to speak? No, we haven't heard that. But by acting in such a way that that the in treating the people who came to the tabernacle to worship God, treating them in such an oppressive way, and being such terrible representatives of God on this world, they caused that God should be cursed. Veloki Habohem, and he did not do anything about it. He did not. Uh, um, um, he did not uh, criticize them. He did not correct them. So Eli is responsible himself because he did not. He should have taken them down. He should have. He should have uh, taken down his, his sons from leadership and placed a proper leadership in there. And he didn't do it. Well, he spoke to them once. We saw before, but he didn't. He should have removed them from leadership and replaced them. But instead, he kept them in place because they were his family. And um, if that's the kind of leadership. That's not the kind of leadership I want. So verse 14, Therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the sin of the house of Eli can never be forgiven with as many sacrifices and offerings they'll do forever. It'll never work. It's not enough. Now, why is it that repentance cannot work for this sin? And we know from our tradition that from the, the rabbis explain often that when someone um, does a sin 
between man and man, they can go to that person, they can appease them, they can apologize, they can work things out, and then they can go back to God and ask for forgiveness, right? When a person sins before God and, and does something that he or she should not do, he or she can then go and repent and speak with God and, and express true remorse and regret and repair their lives and repent. But when someone causes that thousands and thousands of other people uh, be, uh, have less respect for God and have less respect for others, then that can never be drawn back. It can never ever be corrected. Chilul Hashem, desecration of God's name. And when when a religious leader causes the God that God's name should be so defiled, and people should think that that godliness, God forbid, is associated with corruption and oppression of others, like and, and molestation of others, sexual molestation in this case we read about too, but everything, when people look at that, that can never be forgiven, it can never be drawn back, no matter how, no matter how much a person tries to repent, no matter how much he or she regrets what they've done, they they can and should uh, try to repent and try to repair things, but it's impossible. The damage is permanent. And this is what we see here. Vayishkav Shmuel at a boker, and then Shmuel laid it down until the morning. Vayiftachet daltot beit Adonai, and he opened the doors of the tabernacle. Shmuel yorei mehagiret hamara at Eli, and he was afraid to say over this vision to Eli. Eli was his mentor, his teacher. He was afraid to tell him this disastrous and terrible thing. Vayikra Eli as Shmuel, and then Eli called to Shmuel. Vayomer Shmuel beni Shmuel, my son. Vayomer hineni, and he said, Here I am. Vayomer. And Eli asked him, What is that which was spoken to you? Do not be afraid of me. Eli had a sense that it wasn't good. And then he threatened Shmuel. And he said, Again, so we get kind of a sense of Eli as an elderly, kind father, but we also get that he had a streak of <coughs> not so pleasantness with him. He says, God should do to you like this, and he should do to you even more. If you hold back from me even one thing, from what God said. In other words, so he throws threats at him. So again, um, it, it gives you kind of a sense of, of, of Eli that's a mixed bag. So Shmuel answered Eli, and he told him everything. He didn't hold back. And Eli's response was, God is God, and God will do as God sees to good, as God will, uh, what God sees fit. Um, Eli understood, and he had, this is the second time he's heard this. And Shmuel became great. He grew up. He was, and God was with him. From here on, Shmuel became a prophet, a true teacher of God. And what all the words that he said came true. This is not a, a magical thing that, you know, Shmuel was predicting the future, but Shmuel was wise. He was true, true to God. And therefore, the advice that he gave, and he started becoming more popular to the people. Yisrael, verse 20, and all of the people of Israel, finally, the true word of God, the word of peace, the word of kindness, the, uh, the, a leadership in the tabernacle started to arise, and their reputation started to spread that this was something real. Kineeman Shmuel. That what what made Shmuel great? That Shmuel is trustworthy. Lenavila Adonai as a prophet of God. Trustworthiness, humility, 
this is the type of leadership that the people needed and wanted and the word started to spread all the way throughout all of the tribes of Israel the word started to spread by Yosef and more and more God's presence began to be felt in Shiloh so we're getting the idea Shmuel is now growing people are now starting to come to Shiloh for true religious guidance from Shmuel not from the priests so we have the situation set up where Shafni and Pinchas the sons of Eli are still oppressive, still corrupt, and still the priests. But Shmuel is beginning to lead the people on the proper path. It became clear that, that, that God had appeared to Shmuel in Shiloh by the word of God and had received the word of God there and was thereby disseminating it. And the people were now finally had a source of leadership begin to grow. In the next few chapters, this ends chapter uh, three, in the next few chapters we're going to see the corruption and the destruction caused by the house of, of Eli all the time and we're going to leave Shmuel aside for a moment so we know that Shmuel is there he's teaching properly but there's this friction where we have the corruption ongoing while Shmuel is 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 beginning his his teaching his life uh, as a prophet as a leader bringing the people closer to God thank you so much for studying this chapter three together looking forward to studying chapter four and of course the rest of the book of Shmuel together